2: It's Jim Kramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action.
1: Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Kramer live at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber has the morning off. It is official, two quarters of negative GDP growth as the Q2 print Is down nine tenths. Futures bounced briefly on that news as the two year yield got crushed to nine, lowest in almost two months on a big day for corporate results. That takes us to our roadmap this morning. Uh, A second straight quarterly decline in GDP. We'll get the reaction from the White House later on this hour. Plus, Meta shares moving lower after posting that first ever revenue drop. And then there's JetBlue agreeing to buy Spirit Airlines in a nearly $4 billion deal, creating the fifth largest U.S. airline. Let's begin with this morning's GDP data. U.S. economy contracts for the second straight quarter, hitting a widely accepted rule of thumb for a recession. Yesterday, the Fed chair addressed those concerns.
3: I do not think the U.S. is currently in a recession. Um, and the reason is there are just too many areas of the economy that are that are performing, uh, you know, too well. And, and, of course, I would point to the labor market in, in particular, Uh As I mentioned, it's true that growth is slowing, and for reasons that we understand, really the growth was extraordinarily high last year, 5.5%. We would have expected growth to slow. There's also more slowing going on now. But if you look at the labor market, you've got growth. I think payroll jobs averaging 450,000 per month. That's a remarkably strong level for for this state of of affairs.
1: Jim, you just said that the actual label is a f- political football at the moment.
2: Yeah, I don't want to go to stagflation, whatever. I mean, these are theories. I did a theory like that and, uh, in 1988. I was telling Karen Kramer, listen, we're in stagflation. It looks really bad. Pick up the phone and she bought everything we could buy. <laughs> it also went on margin. It said, you, you represent the most conventional of wisdoms. It was an unbelievable call. Yeah. Okay, so here's what I think matters. First of all, I think that Fed Chairman Powell conducted himself very well. Uh, He's been wildly criticized again. He can't get people really just have the long gloves out for him. This is an inventory glut recession. Uh, There's gluts on almost every. There'll be a glut in housing. There's clearly a a glut in things that are in retail. We saw that from Best Buy again, confirming Walmart. Um, But we have we can't find more workers. Uh, So at the same time, we we need companies to. I don't mean to sound heartless here to lay off people. And that has not happened. The first time I've seen anything like that is, was in Stanley Black & Decker, which was a total disaster quarter. Mm-hmm. So we, we don't have enough labor, but we fortunately have inventory gluts across the board, which is going to make it so it's very hard to raise price. And therefore, I think Jay Powell can take the summer off, come back September, raise smaller. Uh, Jeffrey Gundlach yesterday saying... I thought no longer ver- behind the curve. I thought that was seminal, yeah. because Jeffrey's been very good
1: now- on the Fed. Those who wanted 100 basis points, those who wanted a hike intra-meeting, are they now looking back and thinking that would have been a mistake?
2: Well, they have to—they um, were doing suboptimal thinking, and they've been ill-advised. And I think it's time that it's okay to be able to say you should be more data-dependent. Uh, again, I don't want—the I mean, one thing I don't want to do is—, is is to say things that would elect the Democrats or the Republicans in the House. I think there's a lot of subcurrents. The people who, want, who like the Republicans are saying that it's all bad. The people who like the Democrats are saying it's good. And you got to get away from that because it doesn't make our viewers money. I don't want to be Jim Cramer in September of 1988 telling Karen Kramer, don't you understand it's a recession, it's stagflation, and only for her to pick up the phone and buy everything because I was not a stock person. I became an economist, and I don't want to become an economist. What I want to do is say what will happen with stocks. And this is – we were up huge yesterday. We should be down today. The last two times that the Fed raised, we were down. And what this, this economy, this stock market is saying is, you know what? It's not as bad as we thought, and I think one of the reasons it's not as bad as we thought is because we wanted the Fed to be able to say, listen, we're, we're in charge again. You know, you think we've lost our touch? We're in charge. And I think that that kind of stability in a democracy is good news. Right.
1: So you think it's meaningful that we're not giving back a lot of the best day in two years for the NAS. Well, I mean the numbers last night were all subpar. Oh, we're gonna go through all the, the, yeah. the weaker guidance. You I mentioned mean, Stanley, Coursera, Best Buy, Qualcomm. I mean,
2: you know, Best Buy is what I'm talking about when I come when I talk about an inventory glut. I mean, they have too much. Stanley, Black and Decker, that's an inventory glut. You can go aisle by aisle on Home Depot. They may have an inventory glut. Uh, sherwin Williams would indicate to I have inventory glut. I'm I'm looking at what's bought by consumers. I mean in is there's a terrible inventory glut. TVs inventory glut. Everybody made too much of everything. Shopify hired too many people. Amazon, Jeff, you know, I, you're going to see a big slim down by Chassis. Facebook Metaverse hired too many people. Alphabet slowing hiring. This makes a lot of sense.
1: Do, you think it's because employment lags? I mean, continuing claims this morning were down.
2: Well, well I, I think that the, well, I think that what you'll get is initially they're still hiring slowly. Uh, and then they will be just laying off. I mean, you know, when I look at, at Meta, Facebook, we don't care. Obviously, we want revenue growth. And we don't care what costs, what it costs. We don't want down revenue growth and try to make the number through savings. But, you know, that said, they have to right the shift there. And that's where we're going to see the big layoffs. Now, I think that Mark Zuckerberg, Actually, he's building, you know, he's got a big product transition to Reels, and Reels doesn't make as so much money. I don't want to be too granular yet. Uh, but I do point out that when you get the uh, end demand for a lot of things that have been really great not be that great, it's just you're just not used to seeing it in Silicon Valley. Yeah. it's. <laughs> I mean, there's just Silicon Valley's with the headquarters of the recession, not the banks. Yeah. I mean, Brian went in. I mean, did he come on the show uh, to be able to say that the consumer is strapped and consumers in debt, no, consumers very ready for recession. That's not supposed to happen. We're all very confused because the, the individual is liquid. Uh, someone the other day was saying that debt rates are high. I mean, Brian Moynihan is guy knows what the ratio is, and so I come back and say, look, there are a lot of stocks that have to go lower because they're betting they had bet that the economy is going to accelerate, and they have too much of what. Of everything, too many people, too many products. They double ordered in some cases, right? And, and and we have to go through that. So if you were you owned Best Buy, you're gonna, you know, today's your day to be whacked. My Chapel Trust owned Walmart. That was stupid. I, I was banking on Walmart to have the artificial intelligence to not be what they did. Now, see, I didn't say they're stupid. I said <laughs> I'm stupid for <laughs> right, listening right. to them.
1: Yes. Well, to your to your general point, inventory gluts. Uh, advertising getting hit by recessionary. Exactly fears, right. And yet, as Jim points out, uh, a household balance sheet that remains robust, at least according to Moynihan. Here's what he told Jim last night.
4: People are spending on vacations. European transactions are through the roof right now. Uh, spending on vacations, theme parks, uh, you know, home improvement, a little bit more mitigated, but still holding on bigger than 19. That's the people. People are missing the comparison to 19 is critical. So we feel good about the American consumer.
1: Just look at MasterCard this morning, Jim. 256,
2: crushes 237. Michael, me back is so good. So then you can say, well, the CEO, you can say, well, wait a second. He's a dreamer, but the numbers are extraordinary there. And I have to tell you, I think as much as I like uh, Al Kelly Visa, he's, he's he's terrific. The numbers at, at Mastercard were, were unbelievable. The cross-border numbers are so good. But again, Mastercard people traveling, right? Uh, Alphabet people traveling, advertisement, travel and leisure. What what Brian said is obvious: that the consumer is spending money on services and is not spending money on goods. And if you have a lot of goods, well, good luck. Although I don't know, we'll talk about Etsy maybe later this morning. Well, Etsy's got Etsy did some. Remember, Etsy had a couple of bad got quarters. Got transaction fees, right? Yeah. And they tra- they tra- they ate. You know, they raised, and the consumer initially balked, but now the consumer likes. Right.
1: Uh, meantime, as Jim said, let's turn to Meta really quick. Um, Missing okay. on the top and the bottom line, issuing that weak forecast, second consecutive decline in year-over-year sales. Zuckerberg, uh, who's been cautionary for months now, on the call last night
3: engagement trends on Facebook have generally been stronger than we anticipated, and strong reels growth is continuing to drive engagement across Facebook and Instagram. That said, uh, we seem to have entered an economic downturn that will have a broad impact on the digital advertising business. It's always hard to predict how deep or how long these cycles will be, uh, but I'd say that the situation seems worse than it did a quarter ago.
2: Although Jim, they did eke out a surprise gain in DAUs. Yes, they did, but they did do a, it. Was a big guy down. We were looking for thirty billion. They came down to twenty six to twenty eight point five. I do like the fact that reels billion dollar run rate and it is growing faster and it has more progress than stories did at this time. But I. I've got a great group of guys. Who, I've got people who work from the charitable trust and people on the investing club and people who work on Mad money. And I, I started this morning saying, look, I can find Silver Line. Let me give you some." And, and the, you know, no, I mean, there was a moment where Charles Sandberg who's departing said, OK, well, look, um, before you think that things aren't good, the wild Alaskan company, sustainable seafood delivery had a 36 percent lift using reels. OK, well, um, so did Bar San Miguel. <laughs> I, I, th- this is not what we're looking for. Yeah. What I do find is that, is that uh, Zuckerberg is very self-effacing. Now, I said this to Lisa, my wife, last night. I said, you know, Mark's very self-effacing. And she goes, will you stop? Will you stop with the Mark? Stop with the Mark. Yeah. And I think that what happened is, is that we're just not used to someone just saying, hey, business is weak. We're an advertising company. But the multiple was certainly indicating that it's not a growth company. Uh, I found the call enjoyably frank.
1: Enjoying? Frank. Frank, yes. Frank. He's gotten more, he's gotten more candid. Yes, no he question. has.
2: And it's a delight to hear an executive just say, you know what? Uh-uh. We're an advertising company. advertising's in a downturn, period, end of story. I thought it was refreshing.
1: Yes, we're going to get to our own parent with earnings today. Uh, Comcast is going to open a lower. We'll talk about uh, service now. We'll talk to CEO Bill McDermott breaking down his company's latest earnings. Stocks going to open down six. We'll get to some raised guidance out of Pfizer, Merck, Hershey. And of course, look forward to Apple, Amazon, uh, Roku, Intel tonight. A lot more squawk in the street in a minute.
4: No one's going to outrun the currency right now. And probably when you think about energy and the dislocation caused by the war in Europe and this reprioritization I'm talking about, you're going to see longer cycles in Europe. We saw that. But this doesn't fundamentally change the narrative that tech is the only way to cut through the crosswinds and ultimately get to the other side.
2: That was ServiceNow CEO Bill McDermott talking on July 11th with me discussing macro headwinds, the strong dollar, and the company seeing some elongation in some of the deals closing. Uh, Still, the the stock is lower in pre-market trading, so I think we can really get to the bottom of this very, very quickly. Joining us now is ServiceNow CEO Bill McDermott. Bill, I'm going to posit something. Had these analysts these naysaying analysts just simply watch what you said July 11. You might even think that things were better than expected. And I found, I was flummoxed by the fact that they didn't watch Mad Money and, and get the straight story and are paid a fortune to do, let's say, uh, suboptimal work.
4: Yeah. I think what's good about it, Jim, is when we talk, people listen.
2: They sure didn't, Bill. I've got to tell you, I'm looking at Jeffrey saying uh, deal cycles hurt results. I've got Truis saying uh, crosswinds blowing. I've got Stiefel saying crosswinds still blowing. I have some really good weather people here, and they're terrific. They maybe should go into that business because they're exceptional. But did you not say, basically, I want to get this straight, that you did not do a dramatic reset you did not lower numbers. You did what you said you were going to do at the beginning of the year. You promised and you delivered. And maybe I heard wrong. Uh, you tempered things on July 11. But, Bill, can you tell me, did you guide down? Did you reset? Did you say things aren't as good as you had said before? Uh,
4: what I said is digital transformation and the winds, the secular winds behind digital transformation are much stronger, much stronger than the macro headwinds that are blowing in the global economy. So that's why we beat on the top and the bottom line. That's why uh, we reaffirmed our margin guidance for the full year, in spite of the tough FX environment that that we're in. And I basically said, given the macro, we will deliver the forecast that we put out to the capital markets in January of 2022 and that is exactly what we intend to do. ServiceNow is an absolute winner. Our customers need us now more than ever, and our platform is resonating all over the world. Companies have to drive productivity, they have to grow, and they have to differentiate so they can win against their competition, and there's no platform for the enterprise that gets it done better than ServiceNow, Jim. Okay, so
2: let's go to Jeffries, which said that there's a reset. uh, And it said in the conference (laughs) call, you 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 lowered guidance. You're now looking for 28 percent before you were looking for 28.5 percent. And so therefore, it's a very serious problematic situation. What do you think of that?
4: (laughs) Yeah, what's interesting, as you know, we had an unbelievable 2021 31% 31% growth, 31% growth in the first quarter. And as we announced earnings in April, we raised a little. And given the macro now, we said, let's listen, let's just go back to what we did in January. Given the macro that developed since June, we should probably just go with the original forecast, which is a half a point difference in the RPO, which is the bookings of the company. If that's a, uh, a federal case, you know, then what can I tell you?
1: <laughs> hey, hey, Bill, you know, Jim and I were just talking about uh, the prospect of, of further layoffs, uh, major layoffs, and especially in Europe. And I wonder, when you look at your business, is there some kind of inverse correlation between bookings or deal flow and headcount? When, when companies try to do more with less, do they turn to software in that case?
4: Absolutely. I mean, the greatest deflationary force in the world is software. And the reason for that is companies today are talking about hiring less, not hiring at all, and some are actually even laying off people. The work doesn't go away, so you have to automate. All companies have to show ambition and have to grow. If they don't grow, they die. So that's another reason why you'll need software to rethink business model innovation and how you're gonna grow your business. And then finally, every industry is saying hey how do I differentiate against my toughest competitor if you look at the auto industry as an example you know how do I configure an automobile on the internet get the right color configuration price and then ship it on demand after someone says order now and make sure you give the customer a great experience so how are you gonna do that without software so what's happening is the great reprioritization is taking place where enterprises are saying, if things are going to be tighter in the macro, we really have to think about the platforms that matter. And in this great reprioritization, you're going to see people assemble their long-term partners. And in that reprioritization, they're going to say, I'm not going to do things the way I've always done them. I need to free up capital for the things that I have to do to win. And in there, you're going to see some length and cycles. For example, Our deal deal volume at deals greater than 10 million has gone up 50% year over year. So even as you wait a little longer to get it, you actually get bigger deals and more sustainable deals. And that's why we have the highest renewal rate in the enterprise software industry at 99 plus percent and the best margins too, because we run on growth and profitability. And by the way, who else grew at 29.5% in the first quarter uh, and the second quarter of this year?
2: Mm, hard to find them. Well, Bill, I want to thank you. I, I prefer people to look at Keith Weiss, if you can, from Morgan Stanley, who talks about a long-term buying opportunity, which is what I think we have here. But if, you have, if, you, if, you're, uh, if you're thinking it's about the, the equivalent of a mayfly, then you probably would sell it. But I think that mayflies hey. make really bad investors. Bill.
4: Hey, Jim. <laughs> it's really good hey, Jim, me. You know, I got yeah, to have uh, you. Thank you. I just got to tell you one thing. Um, I said at the capital markets day in Las Vegas, we'd be an 11 billion-plus company by 2024. And I said we'd be a 16 billion-plus company by 2026. I resolutely reaffirmed that yesterday, and I do that today in front of the world. ServiceNow is going to be the defining enterprise software company of the 21st century, and we're on a roll.
2: Well, once again, if they had watched the July 11th Mad Money, Bill McDermott, they should have taken their numbers a shade down, and they would have realized that Bill McDermott did a very good number. Bill McDermott is the CEO of ServiceNow. Thank you so much, Bill. It's always great for me to you. come
0: on.
1: Still to come this morning, we'll get some White House reaction to this morning's GDP number. NEC Director Brian Deese will join us shortly after the bell. Take a look at the pre-market and definitely keep your eye on yields today. Ten-year, 266 is going to take you all the way back to April this morning. We're back in a moment. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. How about Captain Crunch's Crunch Berries with breakfast?
2: Whoa, Dad, we're on
1: Crunch uh, Island. He's <gasps> <It's> Jean
2: foot, <Lefort. laughs> And he stole our Crunch. Quick, the zip line. He's getting away! Throw our last crunch berry! No!
3: No one steals my crunch berries.
2: I think you mean my crunch berries? Choose your own crunch venture with Captain Crunch.
1: Future's trying to climb a little bit into the green here. Of course, we did get that second quarter of negative GDP growth. The recession debate's gonna continue. Although, eyes are gonna start to turn to the jobs number a week from tomorrow. As we got claims uh, back to 256k. Kramer's Mad Dash coming up in the opening bell in 5 minutes. Don't go away.
2: Let's get Kramer's Mad Dash ahead of the opening bell. No, the clapping will not be for this call that you will hear momentarily. Uh, sometimes analysts uh, get things right and sometimes analysts get things right and they're also hilarious as is the case with Ken Goldman today who has a sell on Beyond Meat and I think the headline tells it all McPlant seems McDone in the U.S. for now uh, it looks like the trial did not go well with McDonald's it looks like it, that it's not going to be continued and I think the reason why is interesting not surprisingly the reason sometimes being cited is that the product did not sell well,
1: Jim? We went back and forth on this back when Easterbrook was at McDonald's. Yes, we could never get clarity on how committed no. the company was to this product.
2: Nor to Easterbrook after they okay. threw yes. him out unceremoniously. Yes. Yeah, I mean, look, I, they were never. And you and I met with them. I mean, every time, every time uh, I tried to get them excited about it. They were like, yeah, like remember they did a trial? It was like where Neil Young's from, West Ontario, yeah, you know, blue blue windows, yeah. You know. I mean, I got to tell you, this is if you own Beyond Meat and it has gone up, this is a stunning uh, departure from the narrative, and not good. Right. Not only
1: uh, does it add complexity to the kitchen, which McDonald's hates, yes. but we're now in an environment, Jim, where cust- customers trading down.
2: Yeah, and these know, are more expensive. You don't go into that. That you know the lane to McDonald's. You say, "Listen, I want a couple of Beyond Meat burgers," because then the much more expensive than just getting uh, what my wife would get, which is the. You know, double. Oh, you know what? She would get a very good big. Really quick, thing. before the bell. Young China tonight. You think you think the China opening means anything for... People aren't really going out in China. That's a very good company. But we still... I mean, everybody still cites China as being one of the great negatives in the world right now. And no one's talking necessarily that the President for life, she, is going to be President for life. Let's get the opening bell here. And the CNBC
1: Hilltown Exchange and the big board of this Maya Biotechnology, celebrating its listing on NYSE American at the NASDAQ, WaldenCast, a beauty and wellness platform
2: celebrating its recent SPAC, listing. Yeah, did yeah, SPAC. Well, uh, it's a SPAC, so people can buy it and they can look at how they did in the SPACs before. It's not been, it's been distinctly suboptimal. Uh, so, uh, but you know what? It's their day. It's their day. Yes. Uh, I will say, I have Pfizer on. Pfizer's never done my show Dr. Borla. That's good. And, and the numbers look very good, but I think that a lot of you know, people say, oh, it's all vaccines, whatever. How about the fact that it might be just a really good company? Uh, Merck is a very good company. I don't know what is going to do. We keep hearing about drug pr- There are t- drug prices in this uh, bill. Now, they used to call it the spend a lot of money bill, now it's to save a lot. But what is that? I know we have diesel. Maybe he's got the new We're gonna name. We're going
1: to ask him in a minute. Yeah, Yeah.
2: the sequel. I don't know. Uh, I mean, well, Punchbowl
1: calls it the deal that shocked DC. We're going to, and in the in the wake of the Chips vote, we'll get yeah. to that in a minute. But well, you're I mean, right about Pfizer, Moderna uh, down. Although yeah. they both raised the guide, key true the to people be, didn't care. Uh, no additional buyback out of Pfizer.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, because Pfizer, I mean, people just say, well, that vax is one and done, and they go on to the next chef. A hey, chef, the bear. Yes. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the drug stocks are just a bunch of chefs. And I don't understand what's happened here because these companies are very good. And what I'm, I'm, I'm going to comp- posit something pretty radical, which is that, you know, if if Powell's done or he's going slower, then you probably want to edge more toward Honeywell than you do toward Pfizer. Because the Darius check told a very good story uh, when he was on Squawkbox Box this morning. And, uh, I mean, really good story. And unless, oh, there it is, up six. Yep. Unless you're in Hershey, Man, what the heck is Hershey doing? Have you ever met the woman who runs Hershey, Michelle Buck? She's, yeah, she's been on. She's dynamite. Uh. 180 beats by
1: 12. Raise the guide 15% div hike. Willy Wonka, man. Yep, uh, definitely a good news out of Hershey. But yeah. Darius on on Honeywell, they do trim the high end of the range. But, they, but aviation is clearly. Their aerospace
2: yeah. and their oil and gas. He's built a great portfolio. You know, Darius really f- shuffled that portfolio from um, you, you know what he got Dave Cody. Uh, I'm Dave, I always say it's not about friends, but you know, but I'm friends with Dave and. Dave le- left. He just said, it's yours, Darius. Do what you want. And Darius did a lot of what Dave did. And it looked like it turned out to be the right thing.
1: Jim, if you if you look on social media. Uh, no, it, don't, man. Uh, oh, my God. They even hated about, that I went all to Jackson about Brown. recession. We're in recession, um, which, of course, is yet to be officially determined. But the price action this morning will tell you what. Well, th-
2: th- this is you're, you were hopeful that Jay Powell is not a dreamer. When he said that things uh, may are going to pre- pretty much cool off, uh, you then merge that with what what Brian was saying yesterday. Brian went in from Bank of America, which is a large bank, and you say, look, if there's not going to be huge layoffs, and there is going to be a lot of materials that you'll be able to buy at lower prices. That maybe the price hikes for all goods that we've seen endlessly are over. We've not been able to see yet whether job hopping is over, which is how jobs go higher. Uh, it's going, No, no. here's something that no one wants to say. It's going J-PAL's way. See that, that doesn't elect, I'm not trying to get anybody elected right, here. Right. It's going J-PAL's way. It, he can now go away. I mean, when you listen to the medical, I'm serious. The layoffs are not where you thought. Because we're so used to those companies being secular growers, and suddenly, there's Mark Zuckerberg saying, you know, it turned out we're in a big cyclical business and it's not good and it's getting worse. Yep. So, I mean, he's got thousands of people. That, if I worked at, at Meta right now, today, you know, it would be kind of like, um, like, hey, uh, you got anything for me? I mean, I don't know. I'm going to, to take a nice pay cut. Yeah, of, yeah. You know, I'm in the Metaverse right now, and I want to kind of be a, in a tool die company. There. That's the economy.
1: Uh, Well, we're going to... So how about Apple and Amazon tonight? How important is operating income on the Amazon? I
2: don't know. On the Qualcomm call, which was not nearly as bad as people think. And people the long eyes are out for... Cristiano, too, but, you know, he didn't really guide down that much. It was kind of like uh, Bill McDermott. Uh, no, it was not as good as Bill ServiceNow, but he gave you when he was asked about how Apple's doing, it was strictly no comment. I, they, didn't, they don't never mention Apple. Said, oh, some of your other customers besides Samsung, where you got an extension, and it would have been terrific. He said, you know what? Business is great. He didn't give us that, but he did say business is good for high-end phones, and Apple does not sell low-end phones. Uh, reed I don't know. All I can tell you is is that this is not necessarily manna from heaven right now. And you're better owning aerospace than you are owning software space.
1: Yeah, Uh, They do trim, definitely trim the guide on 5G deliveries for the year.
2: Uh, No, it was not great. Look, I I happen to, I own it from my charitable trust. Uh, Qualcomm, if if you listen to the call, it's down four, but it was up big yesterday. The call was about how we're big in auto, we're big in AI. Uh, we're very big at the edge computing. Um, but what they're really big at is cell phones. And Cristiano man, did not talk about cell phones. He left that for others, uh, which then tells you something. 25% of their business is good. They do have an analyst meeting on auto in September, and they're very closely linked with GM. But do you sell it here? No, because it sells at 11 times earnings. This is not an expensive stock. Well, speaking of autos, uh, Ford is going to opening this morning at about a
1: two-month high, 68 beats 45, net income up 19. Um, They did take a mark-to-market loss on the Rivian stake. And Jim Farley talked to Jim about how they're going to make money on EVs.
3: We have one big challenge in front of us, one big opportunity to totally transform this company, and that is to make money on these electric vehicles we're investing in, uh, the second cycle of products. We're now starting to ship a lot of subscriptions, which we never did before. We have a really bright future, but we have to deliver profitability on our EVs.
2: Uh, I thought he was sensational. Don't forget, he gave you a 50% increase in the dividend. The uh, GM does not have a dividend. Tesla doesn't have a dividend. Uh, so you get 4.36. Uh, the analysts are still mostly focused on the cost, even though they took a, They had $9 billion in, in losses in Europe in the last few years. Those are gone. But of course, who is our favorite? Who is the person who's the most, the wildest analyst on the street? Adam, <laughs> Adam. Jonas. Here's what he goes he starts by saying, the Raptor is badass. Okay, and then do you have too many people? And the answer, by surprisingly, was another candid answer, like not unlike Mark Zuckerberg. Said, yeah, we do. We have them in the wrong places, but we're going to make the changes. And um, you know, he's a race car driver, um, and he, he likes to win. And if he doesn't win. Like, number two is uh, first loser is what he calls them, yep, yep. And he's not going to be first loser. I liked the call. I liked uh, the call. Now, the now Jonas
1: one. has been consistently wary of delinquencies. Yeah, he's got he a, looked at Ally. He's got to come but around. But would you, would you go with that school well, or I mean, what Brian's saying about the consumer?
2: Brian Moynihan Lin, would tell you that Ally is probably, you know, I don't, you don't put words in his mouth. It's not that great a lender. They lend to people who aren't that good. Mary Barr told me the other day, look, you really got to raise rates much more than this to even add $50 a month month to the lease. I think that I think that Farley is a magician. The stock wasn't 24. Fortunately, we sold some stock there. My instinct was to buy it back when I listened to him last night. I he was the most excited he's ever been. I sent him a picture of my daughter in a Bronco, which took like a year to get, thank you. My Maverick took 13 months to get I
1: know you talked about that for about a year. Yeah well I
2: mean like I was going to use it for gardening. I missed one season I finally cost the next I have tomatoes galore and I'll bring you some sauce
1: speaking of moving around um JetBlue and spirit <laughs> all, all right. right we got a couple of soundbites is- set up one is i think christy with right. you back in right. july this is fallon meets slatterman okay yeah take a listen to this
4: we've always known that uh, this transaction, just as the Spirit Frontier transaction, would face a significant amount of regulatory scrutiny. But when we look at what the issue is in the U.S., the issue is that four large airlines have about 80 percent of the market, and then you have a number of much smaller airlines. So the best thing that we can do to create a more vibrant, a more competitive industry is to really empower this uh, uh, new, larger JetBlue that can bring low fares and great service together and make sure that the industry um, becomes more competitive because we can bring our product and our low fares to more destinations than if we were just growing uh, alone.
2: Okay, wrong soundbite? Yes, that's definitively the wrong soundbite. The soundbite that I wanted to run was from uh, Mad Money, where he denied everything he said and said this, is, you know, this combination will never pass and had a lot of nasty things to say. Maybe, well, okay, here's what matters. Let's just go beyond that. Let's talk about future rather than past. There is a man, a man who used to be a corporate partner in Paul Weiss, a young fella. It always sounds horrible, right? Uh, who is the head of the antitrust division. His name is Jonathan Kanner. He will sue to block this deal. He will sue so fast that I've got to tell you, I would rather have, um, let's just say, he's secret- the secretariat of antitrust. And what's going to happen is he's going to sue. Uh, by the way, uh, Spirit did call the previous deal cynical and childish. Yep. Uh, he'll sue. These two companies really actually believe that if they give up some Gates, the deal will get through. Antitrust, uh, you go read anything that Kanner has written. He's written many pieces, given many speeches. You do not cure a deal by giving Gates to somebody else. So he'll prosecute, maybe they get a good judge, a judge who wants fares that are higher, a judge who hates the consumer, a judge who's never flo- flown to West Palm, and they'll, they'll win.
1: I was gonna say, Airfare is up 38 in a year. Yeah. You don't think a more robust competitor is, is good for the consumer?
2: I think that the places that they overlap are awful for them if you take a look at what Cantor has written, which is that you can't cure an inherently uncompetitive deal by giving Gates away. Now, can they win in court? Anything can happen, but I, know, I, I think I have a very good read on what Cantor's going to do here. Better read, by the way, than them. Particularly because he's going to use everything, everything that was said by spirit against him. Sure. I, he's going to get a copy. He's going to get the transcript from Mad Money. And they're going to say,
1: "We were, look, we were working with our shareholders in mind.
2: Yes, exactly. Um, go read the—had we—you know, the soundbite that we had was basically that— uh, that Jet Blue's just, yep. you know, Manny Moe and Jack and, yep. Jack, you know, Curly Rowe. I mean, it was everything. It was Mo Curly, you know, Tom Joe, Remember how bad Joe was? <laughs> it, 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 they said, uh, did they call him Shemp? <laughs> I think you might have alluded to Shemp. Yes.
1: Uh, let's get back to this morning's GDP number. Of course, the U.S. economy contracted nine-tenths in Q2, second straight quarterly decline. Joining us this morning from the White House, Brian Deese, the National Economic Council director. Brian, great to have you. Thanks for the time this morning. Happy to be here. We don't want to devolve into the recession label debate, but I I do wonder, do you eventually expect the NBER to declare what we're in, a recession?
3: Well, we're certainly in a transition, and we are seeing slowing as we all would have expected. But I think if you look at the full data and the type of data that NBER looks at, uh, virtually nothing signals that uh, this period in the second quarter uh, is recessionary. Obviously in the labor market, 3.6% unemployment, but also 1.2 million jobs in the second quarter, 2.7 million jobs over the first half of this year. That's not uh, what a typical people or what the NBER would typically think of uh, as recessionary. So as we look at where we are right now, the, the consumer continues to Uh, power forward uh, with resilience, although at, you know, uh, somewhat moderating levels, as you would expect. We are continuing to see businesses uh, invest. And uh, we think, we're hopeful here, that uh, the legislation that we're contemplating, hopefully we can move forward with a strong CHIPS Act vote today, uh, would actually provide some serious longer-term incentive for businesses to accelerate investment in the kind of areas where we absolutely need in this economy.
1: Some suggest this morning that the methodology is too heavily weighted to goods over services. Do you think that is distorting uh, the data that we're getting?
3: Look, I, th- I think we, we, we know uh, both the, uh, the important elements and the drawbacks of uh, initial estimates of GDP. They tell us something. They don't tell us the full picture. Uh, we are going to leave the determination to the NDR up to... Uh, the technical experts there, obviously, and we're going to look closely at all of the data. Obviously, initial GDP comes in; that uh, that data will be revised, and we are getting important data in the real time as we are already out of the second quarter. Right? We're uh, seeing uh, data. We'll get uh, we'll get PCE data tomorrow, uh, and then uh, jobs data next week. This is all uh, you know. So these are all data that we'll uh, keep a, a close eye on. I think that you know a lot of uh, economists have come to the view that looking at a combination of GDP and what's known as GDI and bringing them together probably gives you a more accurate picture uh, of where the economy is. But you know you never want to uh, put too much emphasis on any one month
2: or any one data point. That's certainly how we try to approach these things. So, Brian, it's Jim, good to see you as always. Uh, when you parse what what j was saying. I think you could say, look, we've got on the supply side, we're starting to get a lot of supply, whether it be uh, housing, whether it be autos, whether it be what you buy at retail, but we can't find enough people. So we still have this demand problem and that demand's too, you know, well, demand's very strong, but we have to pay people more than perhaps uh, we'd like if we want, uh, let's say, lower inflation. What do you do? I mean, you can't make people, you can't find people, but that is the problem. We, we, we just seem to be in a situation where a lot of people haven't come back to work yet.
3: Well, I would say a couple of things on that. The first is, if you look at prime age workers uh, in the United States, we've actually seen over the course of the last 12 months, the fastest increase in labor force participation among prime age workers that we've seen in any modern recovery. At the same time, we need to get more people uh, working And the good news is that the strength of the labor market uh, really helps do that. As you know, we've seen on the wages side, uh, wages are continuing uh, to be solid. They have cooled somewhat over the course of the last three months compared to uh, prior months, but we're still seeing the wage growth being the strongest in the bottom half of the income distribution. That's a positive thing uh, in terms of overall um, economic activity. But we know things that would help uh, at the margin, uh, right? We know that it would help uh, if we could have a coherent uh, immigration reform policy on this front. We know that it would help if we can work with business and partner with business more effectively to target training and workforce investments to actually connect people with jobs. So for example, we've been trying to work in areas like trucking and cybersecurity, where we know there's a real demand for jobs and also willingness on behalf of the companies to invest in training, demonstrate to people that there's more of a career path here involved so there's a lot of opportunity for us to work more on uh, things like that, while also trying to move the ball on policies that would help, like immigration.
2: Well, excellent. I, I always like to be constructive, as my colleague Carl knows. Uh, Macron landed 300 orders by, uh, of planes for Airbus by just kind of just saying to the Chinese, this is what we need. Why shouldn't President Biden be directly trying to beat macron and get those orders for boeing two million jobs a lot of them as i know you like union jobs are on the line here can the president do what's necessary perhaps lower tariffs to get those boeing orders and put a lot of people to work and at the same time stop macron from getting all the orders for airbus well the president as i think you know uh, had a call
3: with uh, president Xi this morning uh, you know, what China needs to do is to step up and fulfill the commitment that it already made. Uh, as you know, uh, the Chinese committed uh, to those uh, purchases uh, of, uh, of of airplanes and uh, what we expect and what the president is clearly communicating is our expectation that China will uh, meet that commitment. So uh, yet rest assured that that's high on our agenda and and, uh, and high on the president's agenda. But I would say that, you know, we're not just going to uh, wait and, a- um, and ask or even push and pressure, we're going to take action here in the U.S. to make sure that new investment comes here. And as you and I have talked about, that you know that's what this CHIPS Act is about, right? Which is we need to totally. not just wait for uh, ch- uh, China to move. We need to move ourselves. And the more we can demonstrate that we're going to do that as a country, the more leverage we'll have internationally.
1: Hey, finally, Brian, uh, the tape this morning has a uh... Administration officials saying they're optimistic there could be some positive announcements coming out of the next OPEC meeting. What's going to stop OPEC from saying there's no way we're hiking production when one of our biggest customers is seeing negative GDP?
3: Well, look, I'm not going to speak for OPEC. I think that uh, they have already uh, indicated uh, how they're looking at these decisions. And uh, obviously, the president was in the region uh, a few weeks ago, and so uh, we will. Uh, we'll, w- we'll wait. I'm not going to try to get ahead or speculate, uh, but I think we still see a global oil market that is supply constrained, and that the right thing to do in this context is to bring more supply online in a responsible way. They have the c- capability to do that, even as we are doing that in other quarters uh, with the SPR uh, and uh, and other tools as well.
1: Brian, appreciate it. Uh, good context around the the data that we got today, uh, yeah. not just GDP claims as well. Uh, Brian Deese joining us from the White House. We'll see you next time. As we go to break, time for the bond report. Uh, We talked about the wild swings we've seen in yields uh, so far this morning. We got the 10-year down to 266. Uh, The two-year, the front end, well below three this morning. Of course, we'll be looking for maybe hawkish commentary from Fed officials over the next couple of weeks if, in fact, the market got Powell wrong yesterday. For now, though, 10-year is 268, and we're barely holding on to S&P 4K. We're back in a moment. Jim mentioned Stanley Black & Decker earlier this morning. That's going to be a 13% drop, leading the S&P on the downside. You got our parent in there, too, uh, back below 40, as uh, they do fail to add broadband subs for the first time ever. Uh, Peacock, 13 million subs, relatively flat. Uh, Brian Roberts making some comments about the call, about this unique environment that we're in on some of these headwinds. Dow's down 132, session low.
2: Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Feel so bad. We miss, miss so many. And I'll point out that the drug stocks are leading us down, which is odd. And Silicon Valley's is leading us down. If we're a recession, the drug stocks should be up. That could be uh, Washington speaking. Hertz is a company I want to talk about. They got a new, new CEO, Steve Schur. Used to be the CFO of Goldman Sachs. Uh, this stock is up 14% today. In part because people are traveling and even corporates coming back. So I know that we want to be down and ugly and sad, but I refuse to be. We are up. We're we could be down if we have the last two times a lot. But remember, it's the drug stocks and it's Silicon Valley that is the pain. And that's very yeah. unusual. Yeah. Meanwhile, Harley's up nine percent. Yes. Yeah, so right? the merchandise, the merchandise is selling very well at Harley. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Uh, Jim, how about tonight? Okay, I have uh, Secretary Raimondo uh, from Commerce, who I think is just brilliant. I, I have Pfizer, I mean, which reported a great quarter. Nobody, Dr. Borla, it's an honor to have him. And then Nestle, Mark Schneider. Hey, you know what? Let's ask him if he's as good enough as Hershey. I've always liked crackle bars.
1: Oh, those are great. Aren't they? Yeah, and Unilever had some great uh, in Unilever had great. Yeah. I,
2: you know, I got, I used to be Prina, uh, their spokesperson for about five minutes. Until um, there was a separation for me and the Cats and kind of everybody else for that matter.
1: Jim, we got a lot of work to do today. We'll see you tonight. Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. After the break, uh, a lot more on Meta's earnings miss. Shares now down almost 8%. Don't go away.
2: You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street.